I'm Bill Cleveland, and this is Rediscover America. Chicago's Museum of Broadcast Communications tells the story of radio and television, featuring exhibits that illustrate how media personalities and programs have helped shape American culture. The latest exhibit, open through December 31st, 2018, is entitled Saturday Night Live The Experience, an immersive series of galleries that take you through a typical week of preparing the long-running NBC comedy show. Bruce DeMont is the museum's founder and president, and he joins me next. Rediscover America is sponsored in part by Visit Washington, Missouri. Visit the only corncob pipe factory in the world. Enjoy unique shops and dining experiences along the Missouri River, as well as festivals year-round. Come by car, train, or bike and experience historic Washington, Missouri. Bruce DeMont is the founder of the Museum of Broadcast Communication in Chicago. And Bruce, welcome to Rediscover America, sir. It's great to be with you today. Well, first of all, how does somebody go about founding a museum? I mean, as a travel writer, I go to a lot of museums, and people may be surprised to know there are about, you know, 35,000 museums in the United States. I've been to a lot. I would have no idea how to start one of my own, though. Well, back in 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 the early 80s, I was producing a local television show in Chicago, uh, for the CBS owned station, and uh, every time I would go back to to prepare a you know bumper uh, video for for the talk show that I was producing, I would see a two inch tape and some kinescopes and some film just sort of all piled up on one another, uh, hardly indexed at all, uh, falling over in many cases. And I would look at these canisters and I would see important historic moments in the history uh, of Chicago and sometimes even some national things that happened. In Chicago, and it bothered me that no one was uh, keeping track of any of. Again, there wasn't even a, a, a card index of these things. So, uh, in in 1982, the Chicago Television Academy. I, w- I was a member of their board. They were looking for a way to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the chapter, and I raised my hand and said, "I think we should have a broadcast museum in Chicago where stations could donate their tapes." so that future generations could uh, look at old TV shows. And uh, the president uh, at the time uh, appointed me a committee of one to do it, and I started off my uh, my road, and a couple of months later they appropriated uh, $250 to cover some you know cab fares and some lunches, and uh, that basically I was off to the races. And do you think being in Chicago helped that cause, or do you, do you think it was more difficult to start a museum in a big city like Chicago? No, I think, uh, you know, obviously uh, you had, the, just as I suspected, I mean, the other owned and operated television stations in Chicago also, uh, you know, they, there was a, you know, an aura of sort of disarray as to how they were handling uh, their videotapes, and so, uh, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, there should be one place, uh, you know, to all sort of uh, hold it all uh, was uh, a logical thing to progress with, and uh, the first place I went to was the history Chicago History Museum, and uh, they they were not really interested. They were interested in in paper and photographs. They were not interested in uh, videotape. And uh, the public librarian, who uh, is the person I took the idea to, she liked the idea and said, uh, "You know, get going. We'll we'll help you get started." And uh, that's how I did it. 
and isn't one that day it, after another? It just yeah. you know one step. At, you know, how do you do it? Uh, you start a long journey, one step at a time. And that's so interesting that you just said there. You know, there are museums that were not interested in videotape at the time, and now you go to sure. any museum, and nobody wants to just read something off the wall. They want to see it in video. Absolutely, and I, I, I felt this was in 1982. I, I, I felt then that we were living in a video-centric world. And, of course, the world has just become uh, more video-centric uh, with each passing uh, a year. Bruce DeMott is the founder of the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. You know, Bruce, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's really hard to imagine how America could have progressed to what we know today without broadcasting. I mean, from the early radio days to the insane amount of mass media that we have at our fingertips today. But really, those early days of broadcasting were really important to the uh, to the country, weren't they? They were, and it, it, it's surprising to me that there, there aren't more museums. Uh, I know when I visited back in 1986, I went to New York, and, and I met with William Paley, who was the founder of CBS and the, the founder of the Museum of Television and Radio at the time. And uh, uh, he, he encouraged me because he felt that uh, broadcasting needed more than one institution to talk about uh, you know, their, their effect on society. And you know, if you look uh, at the significant you know, movements in the, in the 20th century, there was the automobile, there was the airplane, and there was mass communication. And there are hundreds of automobile museums in the United States and scores of airline or airplane museums in the United States. Uh, but there was only one uh, broadcast museum. I thought that was wrong, and you know, now we've got uh, at least a couple of them. And uh, it's just it, it's and, and and when you look at the power of the automobile and the airplane and mass communications, radio and television, they they are all phenomenal transformative inventions and developments. So. Uh, the, the more the merrier, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things visitors can see in the museum is the Radio Hall of Fame. And I, I took a look at the, the list earlier just to see, you know, I'm just kind of a radio geek, been on the radio based out of St. Louis for getting close to 20 years here. Um, n- noticed quite a few names, that, but a few questions. You know, who who gets to decide who goes into the Radio Hall of Fame? Well, there, there's a national uh, steering uh, committee that's made up of academicians and, and TV or radio executives, I should say, and uh, the trade press. And uh, they're really from all over the country. We have uh, uh, people from all coasts and states, uh, you know, markets in between. And uh, we, uh, we take nominations from the general public. And, and once someone has sent uh, a nomination in for someone, that person goes onto the master roster of people that are considered when we get together uh, every year, and uh, names are uh, are discussed openly. We have uh, very candid conversations about people, and we look at, at, at try to uh, keep things uh, you know balanced insofar as the geography and the the formats uh, of the personalities. And then uh, uh, then what happens is there are four nominees in each of four categories and uh, then uh, they go to a uh, a voting public which includes uh, executives and academicians and then two of those categories are then ultimately voted on by the general public um, in a in what has become you know a popularity 
uh, contest. And so those that that's the way in which it it happens. It it takes it it takes uh, it's not an easy thing to get nominated. And then once you get nominated, you're before a uh, a group of peers, and they uh, they vote you up, or uh, you know you know hold off on you know another year. But sometimes it takes uh, people if if they're nominated and they don't make it the first year, uh, there is an opportunity for them uh, to be nominated again. And so sometimes it takes two or three you know uh, you know runs or you know runs before you actually uh, are selected for induction. But it's uh, it's a big deal. It 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 doesn't happen easy. It's not it's not an easy process, but I think it's a fair process. And one of the names that is instantly recognizable on the list, and and folks listening will certainly know the name. Certainly there in Chicago, um, Paul Harvey, and he has an extra special place in your museum. I know. Uh, yes, he does. Our radio studio is named for Paul and Angel Harvey, his wife and a longtime producer, but uh, Paul Harvey also, uh, as well as his wife, uh, obviously has very strong uh, ties to St. Louis, as Mrs. Harvey, Angel Harvey, was a native of uh, St. Louis, but in fact they had a home in, in Missouri, one of their uh, many homes was in Missouri. Uh, so they uh, uh, they were very generous to the museum, and uh, again, Paul Harvey was uh, was the most listened to man in the history of radio. No voice has been heard longer or more often by more people than Paul Harvey. And of course, Paul has been dead for almost a decade now. But uh, later this year, uh, we will be uh, celebrating his 100th uh, birthday. His son, uh, Paul Jr., is having a big special party uh, right after Labor Day to celebrate Paul's 100th uh, birthday. So, Bruce, we talk about uh, travel and tourism and promote road trips um, here. And, you know, so someone who has never been to your museum, Museum of Broadcast Communication in Chicago, what are they going to see? I mean, what what are some of the highlights? Somebody buys a ticket. What are some of the things that they're going to enjoy? Well, the big highlight right now through the end of the year, it closes on December 31st, is uh, SNL, The Experience. It's the history of Saturday Night Live. And and we have literally uh, uh, scores of costumes, clips from the show, uh, props. Uh, you know, we take you through the creative process, the seven-day creative process, uh, and what happens on a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, it's very, uh, it's educational. It's very entertaining. Uh, there's Wayne's World. Uh, you know, couch that you can sit on. You can do the uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, funny news, an opportunity to walk away with uh, with a photo of you on the on the set. Uh, and the the experience ends in a replica of Studio 8H, uh, where they do Saturday Night Live every uh, Saturday evening. And uh, it's it, it's a very entertaining. It takes about 90 minutes to get through the the uh, uh, you know the, uh, the walk you know the process of going through the exhibit. But that is that's the real primary exhibit at the museum uh, now. And then also on our our third floor, which is a lot of television related things, we have uh, the close up camera that was used in the very first presidential debate between Richard Nixon and, and John Kennedy back in September of 1960. We have the Meet the Press set uh, where the late, uh, great uh, uh, Tim Russert uh, conducted Meet the Press for many years. We have that set. And then we have, uh, 
you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, vintage radios and televisions, and uh, uh, we tell the story of television by telling the story of genres. So we tell we we tell how how the 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 genre of television and drama and music and news all evolved from the very pioneers that created genres to basically the uh, the reinvention of those genres over the years. So it's uh, it's it's something that uh, people of many generations will enjoy because uh, as you tell the story of uh, of a genre, there's many shows that. Uh, uh, people will remember and recall, and and they they are obviously of different ages. And I would imagine, as a founder, you have the opportunity and and probably enjoy getting to you know visit people who are visiting the museum. And I'm sort of curious: are, are there a handful of things that people are maybe surprised by after they leave the museum? Things that you hear that they've learned that maybe they really didn't realize before. Well, it, it, it triggers a lot of memories because as you walk through, we have a lot of, you know, uh, collages and montages of, uh, of, of the personalities that really defined uh, the genre of comedy or drama or music. And so you, you have uh, each of those images, uh, it, it, it triggers a memory. And so you will frequently hear visitors, uh, you know, quizzing each other. Well, do you remember this guy? And they're pointing to somebody on a wall. Do you remember this guy? Do you remember this person? And then one of our kiosks allows people to really go through the decades, and, and they can go through, and, and by touching a decade, they can see all of the popular drama shows from that decade. And they they literally sit there, and it, it's like a jukebox. They just sit there, and they, they touch the screen, and, and there's an opening clip of, of, of uh, hundreds of shows. Uh, and that depends on, you know, what your age is. You will remember, you know, you may want to go back to the 1940s and remember what television was. And we have, we have, we have television programs from the 1940s all the way up to, you know, uh, you know a couple of years ago. So it, it gives... Uh, and then there's also a working radio studio and a working television studio. So you can go in and sit down and see what it's like to anchor a newscast and, and do a chroma key and do a weather forecast. So there's, there's some fun things. Uh, we have area about uh, the history of uh, television commercials. So there's, there's a lot to see. And I know this is an unfair question, but I still ask it to everyone that works in a museum or has any tied to a museum. But do you have, if if not a favorite piece uh, within the museum, you know, as as the guy who's you know been been there since day one, is there one particular piece that or, or exhibit or something that you have in the museum that when it finally came into your possession, you thought, oh man, this is cool. This is pretty cool that we have this in our museum now. I think I, I think there's uh, I, I, there's probably narrowed it down to three. One is we we have the ori- we have the original Charlie McCarthy from Radio's Golden Era, the original uh, one of the original three Charlie McCarthy uh, you know puppets. We have the one and only Effie Klinker and Mortimer Snurd, who were Charlie's uh, sidekick, and so that was given to us many years ago by the estate of Edgar Bergen. So that's probably one of our our prized radio artifacts. We also have um, the Meet the Press set, obviously, Mm -hmm. the Kennedy-Nixon camera, which is an important artifact. But also we have a donated uh, Associated Press wire machine (laughs) from from November 22nd of 1963. The bulletin of the Kennedy assassination is still 
in the machine. Wow. And it's it's right there and it's it's you see the bulletin, you hear the evolution of the of the story as it unfolds. So those are three things that sort of uh you know pop in my mind is some some really kind of special things that we have. But you know I think a variety of people could walk there and they would give you all different answers because it's that's what's unique. It's it's about what you recall. I mean, uh, we have a lot of the original, uh, you know, uh, uh, characters that uh, that became popular as as commercial uh, characters. I mean, we have a lot of those on display as well because some of the some of the most memorable moments of television, obviously, are are commercials, and they're they're one of the most popular things that we show on a regular basis. Well, as you know, as a Chicago native, guy who's been around there for a long time, there are a lot of things to see and do um, within the city. And, and folks listening right now who are looking for a you know ideas in town, you know, they're hopping on hopping on the interstate and they're going to drive to Chicago for for part of their road trip. Um, you know, give folks a reason why you think it's important that they visit your museum. A lot of museums, a lot of things that they could be doing when they're in Chicago, but why do you think that uh, a stop at the Museum of uh, Broadcast Communication should be in their schedule? I think it will bring back a lot of memories of early broadcasting history, both radio and television. It also, again, the current exhibition through the end of the year is one of the most successful shows of all time, and and all the memories of all the characters and clips. I mean, there's just there's there's hundreds of clips, memorable moments of Saturday Night Live, as well as the photo ops that we provide you to 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 be on the set and uh, take a picture of uh, Wayne's World or to be on the Jeopardy set. These are some of the things that I think you will really enjoy about it. It's a contemporary show, obviously, that has been around for over 40 years. So there's lots to see there. And again, if they're coming from, uh, you know, the Missouri and the St. Louis area, where we are literally right next door at a Harry Carey's restaurant. So many of your listeners probably know exactly where that is, given the tremendous history that Harry had in St. Louis and then ultimately in Chicago. It's uh, smack dab in the River North area. We're between the House of Blues and uh, Harry Carey's Restaurant, so we're easy to find. And uh, we're open now. We're, now we're open uh, s- uh, six days a week. We're only closed. Uh, we're closed on Monday, uh, but we're open six days a week. And uh, on Wednesday night, uh, we're open till eight o'clock. All right. Uh, the website is museum.tv, so folks can get uh, hours, admission, parking info, all that mm-hmm. good stuff is there. And then uh, SNL, the experience. That uh, runs through the end of the year. Bruce, it was wonderful chatting with you. Um, Thank you very much. And I know you've recently uh, gone into retirement and good for you. I hope you're hope you're busier than ever, but with fun stuff. (laughs) Well, I am doing fun stuff. But uh, but again, the the museum is always a part of my life. So I'm, I'm never too far away from it. Wonderful. And thank you for founding it. I think it's it's brilliant. And I think it's a, a great thing that we now have uh, for folks to, to visit and experience the uh, the good old days, some might say, in, uh, in radio and TV. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Remember, all roads lead to another great destination. Get out there and rediscover America for yourself. For more stories, follow us at facebook.com slash Bill on the Road. Or our Instagram page is Bill on the Road USA. And of course, there are always great road trip ideas at BillOnTheRoad.com. I'm Bill Cleveland. Thanks for listening.